Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hello and welcome to an episode of the Finnovate podcast. We are following up with Finnovate Spring Best of Show winner Dreams following their win at our conference here in May. Joining me, we have Lucia Hagenbartova, the Chief Commercial Officer of Dreams. Lucia, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So obviously the demo video is available online at finnovate.com for anybody who wants to see how the technology itself actually looks. Uh, Lucia, can you start by giving us just a high level overview for anybody who hasn't seen that demo video yet? Yeah, absolutely. So in a nutshell, we offer a customer experience layer that enables banks to boost their customers' engagement in financial products and uh, that at the same time helps them increase their customers' financial well-being. Um, so we basically take the bank's existing financial products and we frame them in a way that takes into account how the human brain works and the role that emotion plays in human decision-making. And that allows us to effectively help people to develop healthier financial habits which is uh, crucial to eliminate the barriers to engagement that are more often than not rooted in anxiety and lack of confidence. Uh, and so when it comes to the functionality, uh, our product suite includes different modules that you can use individually or in combination, including a savings booster, a debt management product, and an investment module. And as a bank, you can easily embed these into your mobile banking application on top of your existing functionality. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I really would encourage anybody to go and take a look at how it works, because this is one where seeing it really is understanding what exactly makes Dreams different. And you'll be able to understand really quickly why our audience voted them for best of show. I think one of the most interesting things to me is your foundation in cognitive and behavioral science. Can you talk a little bit about the data that you've collected and how that data has driven you from an overall company strategy perspective? Yes, absolutely. So you could say that the cognitive and behavioral science expertise is embedded in our DNA as a company. It's not just an add-on. It's really the foundation of everything that we do. And the reason for that was initially the observation that most of the financial institutions currently really miss the mark when it comes to understanding the customer, understanding how they see the world, understanding how they make decisions, and also how you can effectively support them, which then a lot of times translates into a very poor, I would even say sterile custom experience that is just not effective. And it's also very interesting to observe how there is a lot of focus lately in the industry on leveraging data and AI as the holy grail of personalization, which is not wrong per se. Obviously, data is extremely powerful, but it's also not enough. And I would go as far as to argue that AI uh, is or should be the second step. But before that, first, you need to understand the human psychology. Uh, you need to understand the human decision-making and the factors that influence it and develop an engagement concept around that on a macro level. And then in the second step, leverage AI to drive the personalization further on a micro level. Um, and so that's what we're basically doing. We are starting with a deep understanding of how humans work and develop the whole dreams experience around that. 
And then on top of that, we add on additional layers of intelligence driven by data. So you can basically think of it as a harmonious interplay of science and technology. Yeah, and, and I love the understanding of you know how do people actually work. And I think if you come to a conference like Finite, if you watch some of the demos up there on stage, you hear the way people talk about customers. I think there are a lot of people who have this idea that we want to serve customers, we want to be exactly what the customer wants, but we're not always good at understanding you know how customers really function. And there's a lot of times where you get the sense that customers make decisions sometimes that baffle financial institution executives or fintech service providers. You almost sit there and think, how could you make that decision? based on the information that's in front of you. And I think what you're talking about now is this idea that you know, maybe that's not a rational decision. Maybe that's something that's coming from an emotional place and we need to try and figure out how to anticipate how those emotions will affect that decision process. And then we can start to figure out how we can actually get customers to be healthier financially. So, you know, talking about it from a high level, I think is really interesting. What about on the low level, you know, inside the app itself, where can people see that data science uh, represented in the way that you've actually built it? Yeah, a great question. And I could obviously talk about this part for hours. Um, our, our science team has worked on our scientific method for eight years. We are collaborating with leading researchers in the field, among others from Harvard, UCLA, University of Toronto and others. So you can imagine the enormous amount of knowledge that we have stuffed into the app. But to give just a few high-level examples. So for example, we never talk about money in an abstract way. We help people to emotionally contextualize financial goals by visualizing them as dreams. And that helps them to develop empathy for the future self, which is um, important to overcome the present bias and to stay committed when temptations arise. And so asking the customer to envision their future is an example of intrinsic motivation activation. Also, overall, we heavily leverage emotion as the main driver for decision-making and for triggering behavioral change. This is, for example, reflected in the emotional imagery that is very prominent throughout the experience, but also in the ways how we provide feedback when the users make progress, how we give them kudos when they, when they achieve something, a small victory, to really help them to celebrate and to trigger positive associations with making the right decisions. We also work a lot with ethical gamification and temptation bundling. Temptation bundling is basically when something that is perceived as fun is bundled with something that is necessary to do, but not necessarily super engaging. For example, saving money every time your favorite soccer team scores. Or we even have a little rocket game in the app where you collect objects in space and save every time you score, which uh, basically helps to reprogram people's attitude towards saving. Um, and then last but not least, we radically simplify the interface and also the language. So there is no banking lingo in Dreams. We only present the information that is really needed in a way that is simple to understand for everybody. Um, we also work with visualizations that help people understand the impact of their decisions. And overall, we try to decrease the cognitive load to an absolute minimum. So really only the information that is necessary. 
Um, and all in all, the, the whole experience is designed to decrease financial anxiety, to activate positive emotions, to boost financial con confidence, um, and also people's motivation to engage with their finances. A couple of really interesting things to pick out of that one. I think first off, the soccer example, such a good one, um, football example, when your team scores, you, know, you, you automatically save. I suppose that's a potentially dangerous one, depending on which team you support though, that can obviously backfire. Talking about creating a negative emotional reaction, uh, certainly in, inside the sporting world, there's a lot of emotions tied up in things like whether your team scores at all, or maybe scores more than the other team. Um, but I, I think uh, it, the other one that I really like, you know, I, I've been a longtime proponent of the idea that simplifying language in financial services is really key. And there's this huge disconnect from a language standpoint between how people inside the bubble, so to speak, talk about finance versus how real people in the real world experience it. And I think that's a really important one as well. So, um, you know, not, not to throw anybody under the bus here, but are, are there any common mistakes that you see uh, other banks or fintechs making when they're trying to build an app that's really going to engage people in this way. Are there some common pitfalls that our listeners should be kind of on the lookout for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say the most common one is the misconception that more information helps people to improve their decision-making. And this is not only not true, it can actually have the opposite effect. So first of all, increasing the cognitive load when people are already overwhelmed is likely to inhibit their decision-making, not to help it. And especially when they are anxious thinking about their finances, which around 50% of people are, according to some studies, throwing more information at them is going to paralyze them completely and cause ostrich behavior, which makes things worse. And uh, I'm like, it's kind of the same as in other areas of life. So for example, I have to admit, I have gained some weight during the pandemic. Do I want to step on the scale to know how much exactly? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and I definitely, That's a really good point. <laughs> and I definitely don't want my partner to point it out. And I mean, I think all men know this instinctively. It's a danger zone. You just don't go there, you know? Right. But Yet still, the, the standard approach to help people get their finances on track is to shovel it in their face just how much they suck at it. Give them more right. information <laughs> about how bad they are, more graphs, more charts, make them feel really overwhelmed and self-conscious, uh, and then be surprised why they're not engaging and why your shiny new PFM tool is not helping. Well, you're right. So, it's so like, it's obvious when a... you have that example, when you talk about like, your partner's weight, it's, it's so obvious. No, you say, of course you shouldn't do that. But you're right. This is exactly what we're doing from a the financial <laughs> exactly. literacy standpoint. Yeah. I see. I see. I don't have to explain this to, to no man. <laughs> like, you, you know, you don't go there, but. Oh yeah. Right. This is, this is husband um, 101 here. We all know that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and so, so the, the customers are not engaging because people shut down when they're anxious and stressed. And, and if you kind of like point out, uh, their uh, kind of like uh, their lack of competence. Um, and so that's the first thing that you need to tackle, the anxiety, to even make them receptive to information. And there is some evidence uh, that financial literacy initiatives can be somewhat effective when people have already reached a certain level of financial well-being. But they are not a good place to start. That's a common misconception that like you, you start by educating people about their finances. 
Um, and from, from a perspective of neuroscience, uh, you basically need to address people's amygdala and limbic system. So basically the center is where your fight or flight response is coded and where your kind of emotional regulation is coded before feeding their prefrontal cortex. So your analytical decision-making center with anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, I think anybody who knows somebody with behavioral science or background in, in kind of how people are motivated to make decisions that they make, I think would, would back you up on this, which again, it, it makes it so interesting that so many uh, people in the financial industry struggle with this. It's obviously something that hasn't been a big focus, uh, but hopefully it becomes more of a focus because I think you, it's really clear. You know, a lot of what you're talking about just makes kind of this intuitive sense. You think, oh, right, of course, when you say it in that way. Um, so hopefully people kind of tend to follow your example. Now we're coming up on the end of our time, but I do want to get into one more thing before we, we ring off here. Um, and I'd like, to, that's, I'd like to dive in on the emotional connection that you're fostering, because I think you know th that's come up a couple of times so far in your answers. You know, Even the name dreams evokes a very different type of image than a mm -hmm. lot of financial tools that you see, um, which focus on kind of more traditional financial concepts, you know, the, to use your kind of earlier example, the financial jargon, um, like things like ROI or budgeting. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit bit more about that emotional connection and why it's so important. And then also what you guys are doing at Dreams to really foster and build from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the emotional connection is important because emotions are a central element that drives our decision-making. They are always there. We can never turn them off. Um, and we know that there's no such thing as a homo economicus. Like it just doesn't exist. It's a mythical creature, like it, it, it doesn't exist, exist in reality. And um, so in particular, uh, especially when negative emotions like anxiety take over, they pretty much cut off our access to analytical decision-making completely. So to put it simply, uh, the, the cortex, your analytical decision-making center is only in charge when nothing significant is bothering you. And the limbic system that is in charge of the emotional regulation I hate to break this news, uh, but it doesn't speak the banking lingo and it doesn't understand charts. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that we are focusing on is to only reinforce positive emotions. We never give the users negative feedback. We never tell them what they should be doing or should not be doing, what they're doing wrong, how bad their finances are, none of that. Uh, we help them focus on the positive. We help them to picture their future. We help them to celebrate small victories. We boost their skills, we boost their confidence. And we show them that they are really better at managing their finances than they thought they were. Uh, and by doing that, we create a virtual cycle where more positive emotion drives more engagement that leads to an increase in their financial well-being. And then that increase, like again, leads to more positive emotion. And then you're really in a, in a positive cycle. Yeah, I think that positive cycle is so key and getting people to a point where they can obviously, you know, they can come in with a problem or they might know that they have an issue that they need to try and sort out and getting them past that issue is one part, but also really just fostering this environment where they have that motivation to continue to make the right type of decisions later on to continue to you know get emotion out of it i think is something that's that's really interesting and of course you know as any psychologist will tell you you have to start by addressing the most primary concern you have to address the emotional aspect first 
Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think we could probably talk for quite a while. There's some really interesting yeah. pieces here. Um, and I, I'm sorry, we have to cut the interview short at this point, but I would encourage anybody, as I said at the outset, to check out the Dreams demo at finnovate.com uh, slash videos. You can find them there and really take a look at how the product works. It's really cool looking. And now that you understand a little bit more of the science behind it, I think you'll be able to take even more away from that demo that they did there. So um, Lucia, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your thoughts with us. This has been really insightful. Thank you for having me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.